On the block, on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. DeVito, pop pass, end zone, touchdown, and the ball game. DeVito, in relief, wins it for the Orange. They don't know about the Kumbaya meetings we had this week. Swing and a miss. It is over. The Boston Red Sox, baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. The Bills make me want to Josh Allen, touchdown Buffalo. A 14-yard quarterback draw. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. And the celebration begins. This is on the block. Right, you know, there's validity in that opinion. Here on ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica Heard on 96.5 FM, heard wherever you are, whatever you're doing, on the ESPN app. Those are all terrific ways to take in the show. That is the audio experience, your ears just getting a full-on party. Right, But there are other ways to experience this program. The ultimate, take it all in. There's so many things in the world today in terms of content that you can consume in different ways you can do it, and it's just an overload, right? So we, we, have, we have gone in on this, right, because we want the full experience for you, and that is at twitch.tv slash QSportsTalk. Hello, Twitch friends. And what happens at twitch.tv slash QSportsTalk? Via the magic of the internet, which is on computers now. As you can see the show, you can see the inner sanctum here, the video experience, right? Video, video, video. You can chat throughout the show. There's a live chat. You can hop in there as much as you want. But that's not all. If you call right now, we'll throw in this free bonus. When the radio, the party for your ears, goes to commercial breaks. So what we do on Twitch is we keep the mics on during radio breaks. There are no breaks on Twitch. You get the full experience. We save some topics and some discussions exclusively for our Twitch friends, and it's just you never know what's happening. You see what's going on behind the scenes and getting ready for next segments. And like I said, we, we kind of have our own Twitch conversations there. Just, just It's a whole thing. Because you want more these days, and we give it to you at twitch.tv slash QSportsTalk. Second day of 2021 in terms of this show. It is the fifth day of the year overall, but our second show back from holiday break. Shook off the rust yesterday, we're ready to get going today, and we are ready to hear from you throughout the show at 437-7644. Brent Axe Media on Twitter, or as mentioned, the live chat on Twitch. We have two guests that will join us today. Always enjoy speaking with both of these gentlemen at 5 o'clock. Howard Dolgan, the owner of the Syracuse Crunch, will join us. As announced yesterday, we were giving you some details through the show as it kind of broke during the show that the Crunch are going to take the ice at the War Memorial this year. It's going to be a little different. 
It's going to be a condensed schedule for the Crunch. All games heard right here on your home for Crunch Hockey, ESPN Syracuse. It would be great to hear the uh, dulcet tones of one Lucas Favalli back on the airwaves soon. AHL season a month from today, as a matter of fact, starts. So the Crunch opted in. The Utica Comets opted in. The Comets announcing yesterday that not only will they have an affiliation with Vancouver, they're going to have one with the St. Louis Blues as well, recent Stanley Cup champions, until, of course, the Tampa Bay Lightning won the cup. So there's a lot of hockey in the air. How's this going to work? Will fans be allowed in the facility at some point in this condensed season, which I heard yesterday Howard confirmed, and we'll discuss it with him later. About 30 games, I think, is where the AHL schedule is going to end up. So yeah, it's it's condensed, but I miss hockey. I know the hockey season went into late September, almost October. We watched several former members of the Crunch raised the cup, and that was great. It, it feels like an eternity ago, though. I should be watching hockey games right now. This disjointed sports schedule, one downside of it is I don't have hockey on my TV right now. So we're going to have at least hockey games coming back soon at both the NHL and AHL level. But how is this all going to work? Is it worth it? Here's one thing I'm going to ask Howard. Is it worth it to you to do this? Because they can't make any money. I mean, Howard is one of the most creative people I've ever met in my life, so he'll find a way, trust me. But the main source of revenue for a team like that is putting fannies in the seats. And, well, when you literally can't do that, how do you make money? So we will discuss that and more with Howard Dolgan. Always interesting to get his perspective on a lot of things, but particularly this. Tuesdays are going to really step up on this show over the next couple of months. You know why? Because Mike Waters will begin a weekly appearance on this program to talk Syracuse basketball, college basketball. Mike, a well-rounded individual. I'm sure some other things will come up in the course of our weekly conversations. My friend and colleague from Syracuse.com, the best beat reporter in the business, Mike Waters, will join us today and every Tuesday over the course of the college basketball season at 420. Looking forward to that in just a few minutes. I want to shine the spotlight today on the Giants and Jets and hot takes. We had a, a Bills-gasm on the show yesterday. The Bills make me wanna Look, you, just, you, you knew it was coming when you got a Bills fan sitting here in, in front of all this equipment that gets me on the air. That's just what's going to happen. But, look, I, I think the future is bright for the Giants. I really do. I love Joe Judge. I like the culture, and I think it's a key word that he's building with them. I think the Jets have an interesting decision to make, so I kind of want to some leftovers from the football weekend get into that. Plus, do you know the Heisman Trophy gets handed out, out tonight? Uncle Brent, a Heisman voter. I'm not supposed to tell you who I voted for. I'm not supposed to say things on the radio like, I'm not supposed to tell you who I voted for, but let's say it's not a quarterback. Just in theory, it's not a quarterback that I voted for for the Heisman. You know, theoretically, perhaps it's not a quarterback. It's not a quarterback. That I voted for, for the Heisman Trophy. And since there are only four candidates for the Heisman. You can kind of do the math on that. I'm not supposed to tell you who I voted for, but I can hint at it. It was Devonta Smith. Anyway, that's tonight. Yeah, that that's a thing. Will... Devontae Smith win the Heisman, the first wide receiver since Desmond Howard in 1991. We'll get into that a little bit. We'll go on the blind side. 
We'll talk some SU hoops beyond our conversation with Mike Waters, including, hey, right now, because Pittsburgh's on the slate tomorrow. Remember, Syracuse plays Pitt at 4.30 tomorrow. So we're not going to be on the air. We have a pregame show that will lead you right into tip time and our usual game day coverage of Syracuse basketball. But uh, Uncle Brent will not be on the air as usual because Syracuse just likes to schedule games during my show these days. So I'll be on uh, duties, if you will, covering and watching Syracuse basketball tomorrow. So getting into this Pittsburgh game specifically, you know, Syracuse has not been on the court since, what is it here, December 19th when they beat Buffalo. Well, Pittsburgh has not been on the court since December 22nd. So the rust factor evens out here. Pittsburgh is not going to have their best player tomorrow. Justin Champagny, who's not only their best player, he's one of the best players in the ACC period. 17 points per game, 12.3 rebounds per game. He is in a, they're not in the same position naturally, but I think he's kind of what Quincy Garrier can be a player that's averaging a double-double, dominant force, just somebody who, when you are going through the schedule, and you're like, okay, we got Pittsburgh, and you start scouting, and it's just somebody that just grabs you on the film and says he's going to be a headache. Like, I think that's where Quincy Garrier almost is right now. I don't want to say he's heading down the road like could, but like, I think he's there, and I want to get Mike's opinion on that coming up. But he's not playing. He has a knee injury. He's out six weeks with a knee injury. And that is a big problem for Pittsburgh generally to miss one of your better players. It's an even bigger problem when you play Syracuse because he's a zone killer and he's somebody that you game plan around. So you take him out of the mix. As we'll talk about with Mike coming up, Pittsburgh also is going to have three players missing tomorrow because of contact tracing. Now, we mentioned Champagny's out for with a knee injury. In addition to that, Jeff Capel, their head coach, mentioned on the ACC coaches call yesterday that they got three guys out. We don't know who they are. They're not disclosing who it is, but it's going to be easy to find out tomorrow when we show up for warm-ups. Like, okay, let's start counting heads. Who's here? Who's not? So Pitt's going to have nine players available, eight or nine, while Syracuse will have a full roster. Barama Sidibe, while not up to speed in terms of conditioning, and natural given he's playing catch-up a little bit, and by the way, no one's up to speed when it comes to being in shape, conditioning. As Joe Girard, who did a little Zoom with local media today, mentioned, there's a difference between being in shape and being in basketball shape. We just try to do our best to keep our win. I think that's the biggest problem. The biggest thing when you know, you're dealing with these pauses is getting your win right because, uh, you know, anybody can go run on the track, go run on the treadmill and do kind of those kind of stuff, but... You know, running in basketball, say basketball shape is a lot different than, you know, just running on a treadmill. So, uh, you know, just to be better at, you know, on the court running and stuff like that. So, I think the coaches did a really good job of coming up with a good game plan and a good plan for us to, you know, stay in shape. And I think that was one of the main focuses that, you know, the second pause had uh, compared to the first. As Joe Girard, a little media session today. I've got a couple more clips from Joe that we'll play throughout the program today. I think he had some interesting things to say uh, during that session. So, here's what's interesting about Pittsburgh. They actually play their bench. There are teams that have certain philosophies with this. They play a lot of minutes off the bench, and there are teams that don't. Syracuse does not. They tend not to go too deep on the bench. They focus on two or three players off the bench. They get the bulk of the minutes, and then at the end of the year, when the stats come out, you look at bench play, Syracuse will perennially perennially be 
at the bottom of that list. Pitt actually does play their bench a little bit. They have some guards that can hit from the outside, but again, are any of these players amongst the three that will be out tomorrow? We don't know who's out at this point. I have not seen today maybe that has been updated and I just haven't seen it, but to this point, we don't know who the additional players are. But Tony's shooting about 41%. Xavier Johnson's at 34%. Horton about 33% from deep. Johnson and Horton lead the team in three-point attempts. I mean, it's just pretty standard. You're going to beat the zone. you got to make some threes. That's one of the reasons. Syracuse has won a bunch of games against Pitt recently. The last seven, eight of the last nine. And you go back to last year. One of the reasons Syracuse took one of those games was Pitt kind of fell in that trap of let's shoot some threes, but they go 6 of 26 from three-point range. That was the game Syracuse beat Pitt 72-49. That's a game, remember, Barama Sidibe, double-double, 13 points, 10 rebounds. So where is he at in terms of his return? And there's a a good-looking dunk he had in, in practice footage that they put out the other day, but Jim Beheim mentioned yesterday, maybe not quite where he needs to be conditioning-wise. None of the players are really, given the long pause they've had, but he's kind of in a different category there. Joe Girard, last time Pitt and Syracuse played, four of seven from three-point range. They jump out to a 16-point lead at halftime. They go on to that 23-point victory. So are any of those players out for Pitt that can hit threes? That's a big question. Pittsburgh right now is 26 in the nation, and I'm going to throw some analytics and numbers at you here. In effective field goal percentage allowed, and 22nd in three-point field goal percentage allowed. What Pittsburgh has had major issues doing is scoring. They're 225th in three-point shooting. They're 321st from the free-throw line, because hashtag free-throws matter. And they turn the ball over a bunch. Now, numbers are kind of, they're they're always, you have to look at with a bit of a, a grain of salt. But especially this year, as we mentioned, Pitt hasn't even played in a couple of weeks. Pitt is a different team with or without Justin Champagny. Look, what this is all adding up to is Syracuse caught, uh, I want to be careful how I say this. This is an ACC game. You don't take anybody lightly. But if you're going to pick a team to play after this long pause, Pitt fits the profile. They just scheduled this game. They've had a long pause themselves. They don't have their best player. They can't score. I mean, they're Pittsburgh. They're going to play tough defense and whoever's available. Oh, by the way, they've only got nine players available. Like, you're going to pick a game to get back on your feet. This checks a lot of the boxes that at least are in your favor if you're Syracuse because you've got a full squad. you got one of your best players back, and you can kind of start to answer some questions again. Like, when last we met here on December 19th on the court, Alan Griffin had the block heard around the world that day. One of the great blocks, frankly, in Syracuse basketball history. I mean, when you rank him, Hakeem Warwick is always going to be number one, and it better be. Tyler Lydon in the tournament a couple years ago is right up there. I'm probably forgetting a couple of key ones from the 70s and 80s and 90s. I'm sure Eton Thomas could chime in on that, and uh, Derek Coleman, I'm sure, had a, a couple of... But if you're talking about blocks and big moments, Jim Beheim said it's one of the greatest plays he's ever seen in the Carrier Dome, right? They beat Buffalo in overtime, big comeback in that game. I mentioned how good Quincy Garrier's been playing. 
Some people see the backcourt as a problem. I'm not one of these people. I think it'll work itself out. I think you've got three good players there, and you see how the, that particular game is going and who deserves the time. And Look, I know Kadari Richmond is a better option at the top of the zone, and ultimately I think he's going to be the more prominent person in that backcourt, but that's not to say, hey, Joe Girard, go sit on that bench and we'll never see you again. I mean, that's ridiculous to suggest. This is a good thing. It's a good problem to have. And Syracuse isn't particularly deep at guard. So, again, look at it as a positive, not a negative, that you've got three players that you can put into the right spots given how the game is going. Griffin speaks for itself, the impact he's had on this team. We thought it'd be offensively, and then he goes and makes one of the best defensive plays we've ever seen. Bottom line is, as Joe Girard noted there, Syracuse has got to get back into game shape. And if you're going to get back into game shape, tomorrow's circumstances when nothing seems to go your way this year with COVID pauses and kind of the weird world we're in today, this sets up well for Syracuse in a lot of ways. But that comes with the immediate caveat of that's why you play the games. I just think Pitt is down too many players and they're in too weird of a situation to come in and win this game tomorrow. On that note, we will break, and we will get Mike Waters' thoughts on this. We'll keep the SU Hoops conversation rolling. Howard Dolgan later in the show. We're going to talk some football during hot takes. The blind side is on the way as we continue on. There is a lot to do on this Tuesday edition of the program. So you stick right there. We'll come back and talk some hoops with Mike. You're on the block, ESPN Radio, and twitch.tv slash Talk. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. And it is, friends. Welcome back. Great to have you here. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Jump right in, shall we? We got some takes. They're a little warmer than usual. Spice this thing up, baby. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for Hot Takes on the Block. We are nearing 444. It is a magical time of the day because it is the time of the day we remind you that if you have been hurt in a car, and we certainly hope that's not the case, but if it is, there is a place you can go. There is a number you can call. It is our friends at William Matar. The number is 444-4444. If you've been hurt in a car, who do you call? William Matar. What's the number? 444-4444. Always easy to remember, but particularly 3, 2, 1. Right now at 444, it is a proper time to remind you of that. Uh, so we had a little Bills gasm on the show yesterday. The Bills make me want to. Yes, they do. Your heels up and yes, they do. Right, I'll stop. If I keep the song playing, then we'll have another Bills gasm on the show. Giants and Jets fans, I think you deserve your due here because I think you're both in very interesting situations. Let me start with the Giants because if I'm a Giant fan, look, the fact that you had to count on the Eagles to win that game speaks for itself. Don't let another team put your destiny in your hands. It was interesting that a 6-10 and team could have won the division and gone to the playoffs and the whole thing and debacle Doug Peterson and the way they handled that. Is, it, it is a disgrace what Doug Peterson did in that game. I'm sorry it is. That being said, I feel good if I'm a Giants fan that Joe Judge is my coach for a number of reasons. I think they're building a culture there. I'm not so sure about Gettleman. 
I'd still be pretty skeptical of that. Coming from a Bills perspective, I think you need your coach and your GM in lockstep. I think they've got to work in partnership. Maybe Gettleman and Joe Judge are doing that, but I'm not a big fan of Gettleman. Credit where it's due, though, I think he made some moves that made this team better this year. I think the future is bright. We saw how bad that division is, and hey, you can have a sub-500 record and win the darn thing. So <laughs> the Giants, you, I was going to say, you only have to win one or two more games than this year. Maybe you don't. Maybe you can win seven games next year and win the division. That's the beauty of it. But I loved, I would hug the man if he was in this room, if we were not in a COVID situation, of course, six feet apart. For what he said about the Philadelphia Eagles without saying the words Philadelphia Eagles. Obviously, players have asked me throughout the day, and, and I just can't express that. I think one thing to keep in mind with this season is we had a lot of people opt in to this season. Okay. We had a lot of people opt in. All right. Coaches, players, that includes family members as well. All right. So to look at a group of grown men who I asked to give me effort on a day in, day out basis and to empty the tank, and then I can look them in the eye and assure them that I'm always going to do everything I can to put them at a competitive advantage and play them in a position of strength. To me, you don't ever want to disrespect those players and their effort and disrespect the game. The sacrifices that they made to come into work every day and test before coming in, to sit in meetings spaced out, to wear masks, to have shields over those masks, to go through extensive protocols, to travel in unconventional ways, to get text messages at 6.30 in the morning telling practice is going to be canceled. We have to do a virtual day, okay, to tell them, please don't have your family over for Thanksgiving. Please avoid Christmas gatherings. We know it's your wife's birthday. Let's make sure we put that one off to the offseason. There's a number of sacrifices that have been made by all the players and coaches in this league. There's a number of sacrifices that come along as well with the family members of the people connected to them. To disrespect the effort that everyone put forward to make this season a success for the National Football League, to disrespect the game by going out there and not competing for 60 minutes and doing everything you can to help those players win, we will never do that as long as I'm the head coach of the New York Giants. I love that. I love that. If I'm a Giants fan, I'm fired up that he's sticking up for you like that. You can tell the judge, who remember, coached with Belichick, coached with Saban. There's a lot of people off that coaching tree that have not worked. I think Joe Judge is going to work, and the fact that I'm saying that is a surprise because when the Giants hired Joe Judge, I, like you, was like, who? What? There's a culture that's building there. If I'm a Giant fan, you can Saquon Barkley healthy again. you got to do well in the draft. you got to strike gold in free agency. You're not quite there yet, but in that division where you don't have to win 11 games to take the thing, it's anybody's division, you need a coach that sets the tone. I think Ron Rivera's doing some good things with Washington. I'm not so sure about Dallas, although they had a little momentum at the end of the year until you know they threw that interception in the end zone. Look, Giant fans, how do you feel right now versus how you felt maybe at this time a year ago when this was all percolating and who are they going to hire and what they're going to do, I think you got to feel good about the future of your team. That's hot. If I'm the Jets, I think you're in an interesting spot because you got the number two pick in the draft. I think they're going to trade it. I think they should trade it. I think they should build up capital. But is Justin Fields good enough to take in that spot and bump Sam Darnold out? It's an intriguing question on Get Up Today on ESPN, Mike Greenberg and the one and only, oh, it's Kuiper season. Get ready for the hair. As we go all in on the draft here with the playoffs, 
of course, in the Super Bowl about a month away, but uh, you're going to get more draft talk than you want, baby. It's here. Kuiper has come out of his bunker, and he is ready to tell you all about that number two pick. Feels like this really is where the NFL draft begins this year. Yes, Mel? I mean, Trevor Lawrence at number one to Jacksonville has been set from the moment that the, the season ended. So the draft begins at number two. What do you believe the Jets should do? Well, the only quarterback that would have forced Sam Darnold to be traded was Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor's going number one to Jacksonville at number two. Uh, it's not going to be Justin Fields, in my opinion. It's going to be Penny Sewell or a trade. The Cincinnati Bengals pick five. They need Penny Sewell, left tackle of Morgan, to protect Joe Burrow. Entice them to move up to two and move forward with Sam Darnold. When Sam Darnold came out of USC that final year, I said in August, it was set up for Sam not to have a great year. He had lost a lot of those key weapons around him on the offensive side of the ball. And with the Jets, he hasn't had that as well. But he has shown when he has been out there in enough games last year and this year to know that he's got a chance to be a really good starting quarterback in the NFL. So from the Jets, Sam's the man. And the second pick hopefully ends up with the Bengals and Penny Sewell or the Jets just take Penny Sewell and Makai Becton and Penny Sewell helping Sam Darnold. So either way, you can't lose if you're the Jets pick until Sewell's the guy at two, whether it's the Jets or the Bengals. It's an interesting spot the Jets are in. I think you should always draft quarterbacks when you can, when you're not in a spot like, say, Buffalo drafts Josh Allen. He's clearly the franchise guy. They don't. Matt Barkley, that type of backup is perfect. The step in, God forbid your starter gets hurt. But there are teams that quarterback still needs a jolt, still needs competition. Tua needs a Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think Sam Darnold needs another body in that room. But if you're a Jet fan and that's the decision they make and that's what they do, if, if Kuyper laid out that scenario and that's what the Jets do, the Jets are actually sitting in a good spot. Either you take fields, create a true competition in that room and move forward, or you trade the thing to Cincinnati or whoever wants that number two pick, desperately needs that number two pick, and set yourself up going forward. you got a new coach coming in. We don't know who it's going to be. Clearly, Adam Gase was not the way forward. Now, tonight is the Heisman ceremony. We've got to get to a break here shortly. That's hot. I'm not supposed to tell you who I voted for. I am a Heisman voter. Okay. So, theoretically, had I placed a vote on such a thing, and I had a number of candidates put out in front of me, and they placed certain positions... In theory, perhaps, maybe I did not vote for a quarterback for the Heisman. Just spitballing here. Just potentially, maybe when I filled out that form and sent it in, that if if we're going multiple choice, did you A, vote for a quarterback, B, vote for a quarterback, C, vote for a quarterback, or D, vote for a wide receiver? If I was putting money on this, I would select D. I just, in theory. So we'll see who wins the Heisman tonight. I think it will be Devontae Smith from Alabama, who I may or may not have voted for. I voted for him. We'll see. We shall see. But I think you've got three candidates. If Mac Jones wins, if Smith wins, if Trevor Lawrence wins, I wouldn't have a problem with any one of those guys. Yet again, though, a defensive player will not win the Heisman Trophy because clearly they don't play defense in college football. It's a quarterback award so at the very least if the guy that perhaps I voted for wins it tonight a, a position other than quarterback will win once once in a while I think we got to see happen and on that note we'll break we'll come back Howard Dolgan set to join us top of the hour a lot to get into with him stay right there thank you bye-bye